0: been enjoying the content so far and we're so excited to share season two with you this episode is a little bit different as we're doing our first in the studio episode we're actually hoping to turn this into a series where you get a few of these each season to enjoy these episodes feature us sitting down with some fabulous business owners and getting into the nitty-gritty we're so happy to be capping off this season with our very first In the Studio episode with In the Studio with Seaside Home. So unlike usual, today you're here with myself, Larissa Mitchell, my stunning co-host, Zoe Stevens. Hello. And our beautiful guest for today's episode, Melanie. Oh my god, how do you say your last Go name? with
1: Simmington. Simmington. But so you will get kicked out of Scotland for that. <laughs> it's supposed to be Symington over there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I should have asked you that before ah, we got on. That's
1: okay <laughs>
0: Owner and director of Seaside Homes
1: Good morning
0: Welcome,
2: thank you for having
1: us You're very welcome
2: So Melanie, I don't know if you're an avid listener But every episode we love to start with a good, bad and ugly of the week So something that's good that's happened to you Something that's bad that's happened And something miscellaneous But I'll kick off this episode so, um, my good for this week is finally getting to do our first in the studio episode. Yes, I'm, I'm so really excited. excited about it because we want to like bring tons of these to you each season um, and I think it's really interesting to hear behind the scenes of like how people have started their businesses and where they've gone since their inception. I think it'll be really interesting. Yes,
0: and I like that we're going to hear from so many different kinds of businesses and so many different kinds of yes. people.
2: So. Because there's like so much there, like I know that I freelance, but like your, Melanie's business is very, very different from mine and very different from yours. So it's really interesting to hear like, oh, sort of well-rounded look at what different businesses do. Uh, My bad is that last night I tried to get dressed and um, my beloved partner was zipping up my dress and ripped it. (laughs) It was one of those invisible zips. Oh no. And he just it just ripped like down the seam like next to the zip and I was like and I hadn't worn it brand new dress.
1: Oh.
2: And ripped <laughs> just completely the other side and I was like, great, and I'm just like my fat's escaping out the back. It's just a bad look. It wasn't a good look for me. And that I had like a mild breakdown. But that's okay. We, we all have mild there. breakdown. Yes. And mm-hmm. it is upsetting losing a loved one like that. <laughs> Um, And my ugly for this week was that Larissa and I went out last night to celebrate. We did. But we ordered the sangria as like the Mm. bartenders had sort of suggested yes and it was the worst sangria i think i've ever drunk
0: they hooked me in it was a deal they were like
2: it's it's a special it's 20 dollars like, for like a liter of sangria that should have oh. ticked me off to like the fact that it was not going to be good sangria
1: can i can i match your sangria story that <laughs> back in the early days of my relationship with my husband we were spending the night with his mother in sydney at her in her apartment and she chose the restaurant. We went out. I was 19 years old. We went out to a Spanish restaurant. It was not licensed. They kept bringing out jugs of sangria, and I just made the assumption that it was non-alcoholic. It was juice. Because they weren't licensed. <laughs> oh, no. So the night resulted in i didn't feel it till i stood up the food was very spicy i drank lots of sangria (laughs) stood up almost fell over then decided it would be a sensible idea to skip home (laughs) this was the first impression to my future mother-in-law not my best moment
2: but But anyway
1: so hence since then no sangria for me No.
2: no I thought it was going to be good but then it just tasted like cheap red wine and bad orange juice and I was yes. like I don't like either of those things. <laughs> no, I fell
0: in love with sangria of course like when I was in Spain and I remember the best sangria I've ever had was in Madrid and I was like my one true love so obviously last you were night, keen you were like let's do yeah. it it's
2: 20 bucks for a litre and I was like no. well you got me with like the size mm. and the price <laughs> like, yeah it ticks all the boxes and it was not good no <laughs> no um,
0: and yours Larissa? Okay so my good for this week is that I finished my online tape course. Oh congratulations. Thank you so this is now my fourth tape course I'm just collecting them <laughs> this day. I love doing it like every chance I get I'm like another. I started it in the lockdown because I went without work and I, we hadn't started the podcast yet so I was like I want to keep busy so I started it and I Yeah, I really had to commit by the end of it, but I finally finished, so that's my good. That's really good. Uh, My bad is that I've just come off the week of all the night shifts, which... Yes. Yes, it's not... I'm not the best person in that week. No, I don't (laughs) imagine anyone would be, though. No, I'm doing... Yeah, so, like, they're, like, three o'clock in the afternoon starts until, like, midnight so by the time I get kind of sleeping get up the next day it just feels like back-to-back work constantly yeah. so I'm always very tired and I it's always
2: like... tend to like make plans and then you're like oh I'm up at 9 a.m and I'm like didn't you get home at one <laughs> yeah. You're like yes <laughs> I'm like I'm trying to live my life
0: <laughs> my ugly for this week is that I finally bought a pair of Adidas shoes yeah. That I have been talking about buying for weeks yeah. because I'm a little saver and they were like $140. So I was like, like that's a lot of cup of coffees. Yeah, so that's true. I finally caved and I bought them and I'm, I've been rocking them all week, but I'm trying to break them in. So they're very stiff. So they've oh. ruined my ankles for now. But yes.
2: I'm loving them. That's good. I'm so glad I bought them. Okay, and Melanie, are you ready to give us yours?
1: (laughs) I don't. I can't. I'm sorry. I thought about it and I thought, good, bad, ugly, which part of my life do I want to focus on with that? So I'm just going to take a hard pass on that. Okay, that's that's fine. Let's go into something else.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so just to kick off, obviously we want to hear a bit about yourself and your business. So just tell us you
1: know, what it, what Seaside Homes is about. Okay, so um, Seaside Homes is a building design firm um, focusing primarily on residential design, so that's single residences. I do some multi-residential work, like uh, dual occupancies and whatever, but over the years I have uh, consciously steered away from commercial work because I prefer to really get to know my clients. Um, For me, it's a very personal journey. I go on with them. I am designing a home for them. And so sometimes I... Step in as marriage counsellor. Sometimes I'm very, i I'm very, very often. I'm, I might sit down with a couple, and one has a particular brief, and the other one has quite a different brief. And so, it's very much part of my role is to find a cohesive way forward that that everybody feels like they're they're not missing out with the design but it's something that I feel quite passionate about and I think that um, that is a large part of why the business is successful yeah. is because I have found the the field that I want to work in and um, yeah,
2: yeah and it is creating people's forever homes usually like it's this the place that they go to relax and take the day off and all of that sort of stuff so it yeah. is Yeah
1: well home is home is such an emotive word yeah. and it's such an important element of how we we live in this this world uh and home means i suppose something different to lots of different people but ultimately it is uh, a safe haven to most people and so that is that's what i'm trying to achieve when i'm working with clients
2: yeah
0: yeah well i mean homes are where people celebrate their birthdays and graduations and all the big milestones so of course they're going to want to come and see that house and i know when i used to live in my first house as a little kid i still drive past it now i'm like that used to be my house So, forever homes
1: and depending on how the the design is done that the actual building that you are living in that you might be raising a family in or whatever can contribute or can take away from that and so um, that's why it's really important to get to know the people who are going to be living there to to make sure that you're addressing how they entertain what whether they have children whether those children are adults whether there's grandchildren you know it's a it's a whole planning to, to make sure that you're looking houses are not built and knocked down in in 20 30 40 years if they're a good house they should be still there hopefully in a hundred years so you need to be looking at how that how that will morph over the lifetime of the the, of the owners
0: Mm -hmm. so can you tell us what were some of the first steps you took when you started your business
1: okay so I'd love to tell you that I was very very organized and that I did a business course and everything else but that's just would be just filthy lies so um I come from a family of uh well I my father is a builder and so I was raised basically on construction sites uh my husband and I we built our first house so uh I'm I'm used to construction very comfortable around construction so my previous career was um previous two careers i was a a, studied hotel management and then i went into um being an international flight attendant for Qantas for 10 years but when i got to the the end of that um there was two things happening one was i felt that I, i needed to do something to get my brain stimulated again and i also um found out I was pregnant with twins So the two things meant that being an international flight attendant was really not on the cards anymore yeah, no, that's but a bit I, too difficult. I know I know but it was good that I had found um, building design as a career path prior to that shock because um, it was I've always wanted to be artistic and I fail miserably I have tried everything skull. <laughs> painting drawing everything and I am completely useless and for many many years I had this connection that you were to be creative you needed to be artistic then I came across building design it's very maths and logic based Mm. but it's creative but you get so you get to interpret that creativity in a way that is very practical and uh, logical. And so that was a perfect fit for me. So I finally got to uh, put the creative hat on, which was lovely. Um, so when I decided that this was the new career for me, I was really fortunate. I had this house that we're, where we are, well, we're in my office now, but the house behind us. We had just bought this little one-bedroom fisherman's shack on the waterfront, and I designed a, well, it was tagged an extension to and, re, and remodel of the house, but it was almost a rebuild. So it was a very unusual, 20 years ago, it was a very unusual um, architectural style for Australia because it does have a Hamptons Yes. leaning yeah, it was very yeah. Much captain, yeah. so uh, but that wasn't happening in the Australian uh, architectural field really at that time nothing like it is now so in the process of me getting finishing my qualifications and getting ready to launch the business we finished the build on the house and I put a nice discreet sign out on the waterfront side and ultimately that was where my the start of my business came from So I did the things like registered a business name. I registered, you know, an ABN. um, uh, What else did I do? Did you
2: build a website when you first started? Uh,
1: I did, but well, I didn't. I am a card-carrying technophobe, (laughs) but I employed somebody to do a website for me. Um, But that was really. And of course, you know, you, you get very excited when you get into the whole business card and logo yeah. and yes. everything. All of that is such an intrinsic part of the start of a business. So, yeah. getting that right um, was was very important. But that was really for me the start of Seaside Homes, and um, and then I was very very lucky. I was um, I joined the associate the. Building Designers Association of Australia. They had a local chapter. And I went along very daunted by the idea of that, you know, I, they're full, complete and utter imposter syndrome. Oh, yes. So walked into a room full of uh, experienced designers thinking, oh, you know, I've just joined this association. I really probably shouldn't be here, but met some fantastic people. And uh, one of the people I met uh, that night, Uh, invited me to come and work for her so I started even though I had set up my business I found I then was presented with an opportunity to work a couple of days a week in a business very much with a model that I aspired to achieving for Seaside Homes so relatively small office three people in the off pardon me three people in the office um And doing the type of work in a residential design, she did a bit more multi-res than than I prefer to do. But um, from there, uh, I learned a lot about how you operate a business of this scale. Mm. And there was lots of learning on the the run because, of course, the house that I was using as my almost display home um, was a big, substantial house. uh, And so the inquiries I was getting... to to seaside homes were probably bigger than I had um the confidence to take on so some of them I let go at that stage because I just felt I didn't have the skill set and but and I and I started to work on the smaller projects that were you know maybe you know an extra room on a house and a, a deck and that type of thing and then very quickly that picked up to uh, bigger bigger projects it's
2: actually scary that a lot of young women do feel this imposter like syndrome yeah at least me personally I've been in that spot where I've been like oh I don't really want to apply for this job or I'm not even sure I could start my own business because like am I going to really do it better than someone else out there and Mm. it's like you might not have to do it better but you might just have to do it first
1: absolutely and the thing is you know a lot of people will read your level of confidence yeah so um bring that with you and don't you don't need to um oversell your skill set you know stay comfortable because if you do if you oversell oversell your skill set then you will get likely caught out
2: yeah right so
1: um that's where just but have confidence that you can do the, the level of work that you you're putting yourself out there for um and sometimes just know That it's going to be a little bit gut churning when you're working on the first of something. You know, the first time you do something of that scale, or the first time you, I know about this element of the work I do, but I haven't actually done it before, but I know about it. The first time you do it will be a little bit daunting and um, nerve wracking, but uh, it's only by doing it that you then get that level of confidence to get out there and do it again and to push yourself to the next level.
2: Yeah, I had a conversation with my friend who's also a copywriter. Um, when I first started my business, and I said to her, I was like, "How do I feel good about my writing? Like, I know I can write well. I know I can string a sentence together. It makes sense, and it's like the punctuation's correct and it's all accurate. But how do I know that I write well? Like, how do I know that it's engaging and people are enjoying it? And like, how do I feel confident about it?" And she was just like, "You just keep doing it. Like, yeah. you literally just keep." Mm-hmm doing it just keeps swimming and you'll get to a point where you're like yeah i'll write you something i'm not bothered Mm. thousand words easy i'll get that done in an hour for you like super easy without actually having to you know double guess like second guess yourself yeah
1: but there's also there's also that um that thing of not getting um not getting too confident so that you you know right through everybody it doesn't matter what field you work in there's always going to be things that you don't know about, that you haven't had experience in. So just if you can actually cultivate that thing of, yeah, bring the challenges on, bring it on. I'm, yeah. re- I'm ready. I'm happy to have a go at it. I'm happy to ex- extend myself a little bit to be able to um, learn how to do that. Yeah. That's a, it's a great uh, pathway sort of to take and it's a good mindset to have if you're a business owner.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned like, you know, challenges and everything, but have you actually experienced any business blunders?
1: Oh, I, I have a classic. Mm-hmm. For a <clears throat> for somebody who loves it, I love a good list. Oh, we love, love lists. Uh, Every episode, I, um, yeah, <laughs> Larissa's,
2: like, checklist stunning. <laughs> I know, I know.
1: And because, you know, I find people who love a good list tend to be quite methodical and, and manage things, uh, like to manage things.
0: Yeah. And, and Yeah. So, <laughs> Me a <doing> tea. That's <laughs> like, right. I that's need to right. be in control. Where are my highlighters? <laughs> so exactly. Yes, you with yeah. your run sheets, you're like, we're on schedule. <laughs> Everything's going well.
1: <laughs> that's perfect, perfect. So I... Um, I like, as I said, I am a technophobe and I don't trust diaries on phones. So I'm oh, still no. carrying around a paper diary. Right? I've got one in my bag. Yep. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> my I'm, diary. I'm sure I'll end up with one shoulder lower than the other <laughs> one from carrying it around all these years. But I like to be able to open the diary and see the week and see, and I'll, I'll often jot just little bits down if, it, if I have an appointment and I'll, up there are um, just, little comments that, that I will remind me of something if I'm meeting a new client or something. So I, I don't, on this day, I don't know what happened. You know, I am, I am very respectful of people's time. And if I say I'm going to be there at a particular time, I am, and Zoe knows me and she's giving me this raised eyebrow look because she knows <laughs> that I, I don't have a problem being 10 minutes late. But if I'm going to be any longer than 10 minutes, And it's a professional thing. I will, of course, send a message. But on this day, I had two meetings. The first one was really challenging. It went well, but I was in a location that was near a... The the people I was meeting with, their home was near a shopping Mm centre. So I went... I finished the meeting. I was on a bit of a high and I went, I'm going to duck in and pick up these wine glasses. So of course I did that, and then I just started to shop.
2: Oh no! <laughs> and
1: then I, everything went smoothly. I went and got in the car. I was driving back, heading back towards the office. And then a little light went on over my head. Oh my god! Oh no! I pulled the car over, <laughs> grabbed the diary out, opened it up. I had another meeting, and I had totally forgotten about it. And in my diary, I had, I had the name and the address that's all I'd put in there oh, so the there was record. no phone number I was I was already half an hour late to the meeting there were tenants in the house so I knew that the owner was going to be out in their car on the side of the road I didn't have a phone number if I went via the office to get the phone number I would have been even, even later, later. Mm-hmm. I, that that time that I spent that 20 minutes or so that it took me to get to that client and I was sure he wouldn't be there. I, if I'd been a younger, uh, an older woman, I probably would have had a heart attack. I was that stressed, so I pull up. I'm all full of apologies, stumbling over my words and everything. I, I still don't. I still can't believe that he engaged me to do the project. I thought I was almost an hour late to a meeting. Mm. And he trusted me, which I, it was a real leap of faith because I probably wouldn't trust somebody that's 50 minutes late to a meeting. No, so, with, with
2: no text or no call, I would have yeah. been like, oh, it was, so my time doesn't matter
1: to you. I know. I was beyond distressed. And so lesson learned, never put a meeting in the diary that's not accompanied by a mobile phone number yeah. because if anything happens you need to be able to contact that person so yeah I that would go down as one of the dis- business disasters that uh, <laughs> that I I think it didn't end up badly but geez the whole experience was horrible know, and
2: it sticks with you and it you just, does like you think about it, you're late at night you're like in bed and you're like that one time that's yes that's time. I know I know <laughs> so anyway oh.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, so when you started the business, did you have a marketing strategy in place?
1: No. No. I would love to say I did. <laughs> I had, this is what I had. There was a little, there was the website, but really, there was, see, there was no sort of Google marketing and that type of thing going on, Yes,
2: right? what year did you start the
1: business? Uh, was, we were, 2002.
2: 2002 so that's Mm. probably like it's not pre-internet like the internet was around but the internet was not what it is now no no
1: nothing like it nothing like it no so um and that's my excuse that's what (laughs) I use as my excuse so um uh what did you ask me?
2: The marketing strategy.
1: Oh, marketing <laughs> strategy, sorry. We went off on, I told you I'd go off on a tangent. So marketing strategy. This was my grand marketing strategy, other than the sign on the house, which was very effective. There was a little, because we live on a peninsula, there was a little sort of A5 printed um, newsletter thing. It had like 20 pages in it, very locally based Um and it was delivered to every house. And you could advertise in it. Mm. So I put an advertisement in that. And that was my whole marketing strategy. <laughs> and s- surprisingly, it was effective. <laughs> so that was it. So that was, um, yeah. I don't think people would, I don't know if it still exists, that little publication. but anyway. I think
2: a lot of them don't exist anymore because mm. I don't get any um, sort of, Suburb and like newspapers Mm. like I used to like when I lived in Sydney I would get a Leichhardt like a dedicated Leichhardt magazine Mm. but I don't get that like in Newcastle at all but the other thing that I wanted to talk about with your marketing was that I noticed that this year you've gone a little bit more digital
1: I blame my daughter she (laughs) she she (laughs) said to me well and really it was uh, I think that the construction industry started to feel a little bit of a slowdown um towards sort of this in maybe in the second half of last year mm. and you know if you look at the uh what was happening happening with the um the economics at that time we were sort of australian you know we were sort of going down the pathway of maybe going into a, a bit of a slowdown a recession. Um, Nobody. Everybody had their fingers in their ears of course But that seemed to be the pathway we were on So I had that in my head I've had a very very busy four years um, And so I wasn't overly concerned I thought that's all right. I'll have a little bit of a breather It might be nice to have Have a a 12 months, 18 months Of things being a little bit slower But then um, COVID happened And At the start, nobody knew what was going to happen, how long it would last, how big the impact was going to be. So at that stage, I started to get a little bit nervous. And that was when uh, my daughter sort of said to me, really, you do things that are very, you know, image focused you really should have an Instagram account
2: which is very true because like you said about the emotion that home kind of evokes in people Mm. that's what you want to be able to convey to prospective clients like you want to be like this is the sort of home I've created for these people Mm. this is what they wanted and like this is what you could have too if you just decide to go with me that's exactly right
1: yeah so I have I do now I have dipped my toe in social media my daughter tells me that I am uh, not being very efficient with it Uh, I personally don't know how to operate either of those things that she has organized for me and I call this a form of outsourcing (laughs) so uh, as a business owner you need to pick the things that align with your strengths and outsource the rest and so that's me outsourcing social media Um, I sort of I write it, uh, I pick the image, but I allow the, um, as far as the uploading of anything or the posting of of anything, um, I pass that on to her to do. (laughs) We call that uh, duck and weave. Yes.
0: All right. So, did you write a business plan when you started your business? We have talked a lot about business plans in this first season, so we're always curious to see if anyone has actually written one.
1: <laughs> I had a very informal one, and because I like numbers, I did. I did oh, you work liked out financial. I did. I did. <laughs> I liked a bit of a budget, um, and so I did have an informal one. I was actually quite a number of years into um, running Seaside Homes. I would say. I would have to guess that it was maybe five years into into the process, um, and I found out about a course that's run called Women in Business, and it was run through the Newcastle Business Centre.
2: I have been to the Business Centre, I yeah. love the Business Centre. You do. <laughs> had an Incredible resource. Always talking about it, and that's why I went and studied my small business management course. Yes. Um, so. We love the business centre.
1: Yes, so um, that was when I realised you don't know what you don't know until you know that you don't know it. So um, that was really quite eye opening for me, and I liked the me- um, the methodical nature of putting together a, a business plan. Um, it's Can nice. I? It's- can I? Yeah. Can I tell you the story of, of the start of me going doing the Women in Business course? Oh, course. Yes. So. Because your audience is predominantly going to be
2: young women, young yeah. women,
1: I um, I'll share this with you. So this is the most uncanny thing. So part of the women in business course is you're given a mentor, and the the mentor. I was quite surprised, but a lot of the mentors were male, um, and they volunteer to to take on that role. And I had found out about the course by my via my sister, one of my sisters who, um had started a business and was running it out of Sydney. And so she had, she had started the course about three weeks before me in Sydney. She'd been given a mentor. She contacted me the week before I started the course to tell me the story of this very sleazy male mentor that she had been assigned, who had been very inappropriate in his language and everything with her. Now, you don't mess with Symington women, okay? <laughs> so she was onto it straight away. And she went to the coordinator of her course, um, put in a complaint and he was uh, taken off their list of mentors and she was assigned a different mentor. Mm -hmm. But she had told me what his name was. And what I found fascinating with this was this was in Sydney and I was doing the course in Newcastle. So on the night that we were assigned our mentors, I was given a male mentor and i thought gee that name sounds familiar no yes no so i know so i i ring billy and i said to her is this the name of the she, she's yes and so i called the um, the the coordinator of the course who was actually the manager at the time and i just hit it off really well with her and i said this is the story and she said I can't believe that she said, "Right, that's it. How we'll funny we'll though, take to get it. two sisters, yeah. two sisters <laughs> in, in different cities. cities, right?" So, okay, so he's taken he's taken off my thing, taken off the program, and then this is one of you know sometimes you 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 know what you want and you've just got to actually stick to it mm-hmm. and and ask so, for it, ask for it. So I had a really strong connection to um, the woman who was the the uh, manager the uh, of the Uh, business center and I said to her I want you to be my mentor and she said I just can't Melanie she said i really I've got I'm juggling all of these things I've got all the staff and I'm trying to coordinate all of these things I just don't have the time and I said I will make it so easy for you I promise I will make it so easy for you now however many years later we'll call it 12 years later she is one of my dearest friends yeah. and my most trusted confidant as far as that goes as, as from a, um, a business perspective a personal perspective she's just a really wonderful woman um, and I've, I just look back at that and I think very fortuitous because she was quite adamant that she couldn't do it and I just thought this is important mm-hmm. I want her input she yeah. knows her stuff And uh, yeah, so sometimes it's worth pushing a little bit harder.
2: Absolutely. And Mm. it's great to have, surround yourself with women, especially in business that can really give you that sort of guidance. Like Mm. I'm very invested in having a strong sort of foundation and support network when you're doing stuff like starting a business, because it can be really, really difficult and really long hours and mm. quite isolating and mm-hmm. you feel like the whole world's crashing in around you and that's when it really matters to have people around you who are, like, going to back you and tell you what you need to be doing and keep you on your path and, like, mm. all of
1: that. Yes, yeah. And it is it is quite interesting as well, the difference in, oh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> but it is quite different uh, how men and women approach business. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. There's the there's a little bit less of the competitive edge with women they tend to work they're quite generous working with other women Mm -hmm. like if they're supporting somebody that's launching a business they'll be more generous towards them because it's not even even with the same businesses so I have a lot of good friends and colleagues that are women running um, building design firms like mine Mm -hmm. and we will compare notes we will talk about um, oh I've had this challenge on this project or have you dealt with this person in council and um, how's your uh, professional indemnity rates looking and we will talk about things that if we were focused on competition between the businesses and our clientele is the same so there should be competition between us but there is something that happens with women that is quite um there's just a level of support that I find that is there and the other thing is women with other women will ask questions without fear of looking foolish yes Yes. and so that's something that you will have a much more in-depth conversation if you're in a room full of women they're quite happy to run the risk of looking a little bit foolish or, or looking a little bit unprepared or something um, in a group of women because they know that there's not almost well that's right they're not not they're going to be there's far more likelihood that they're going to be supported for asking yeah. that question and there's also a real likelihood that you might raise something, and somebody else will say, "I've always wondered about that. Yeah. I've never, never actually, or I haven't come across that before." So, you're you're asking the question, but lots of people are actually getting the benefit of the answer. So, and but you do you see that at conferences, you'll see that at seminars, you'll see that in many many different um, arenas that uh, when you've got men and women in a room, that you'll often get men asking questions that. Sometimes, even just to make a point that they know the answer to it, which yeah. is, sounds very sexist on my yeah. part, but, but not all men are like that, but occasionally you will get it, and we've all worked in business um, yeah. in uh, workplaces that you see that. So.
2: I actually read this really great quote the other day, and it was like, Something about like we're meant to be collaborators, we're not meant to be competitors. Mm, Especially I think it's really mm. true for business. Yes,
1: yeah, very much so. So if you if you've got an opportunity if you're launching a business, if you've got an opportunity to link yourself with other women mm-hmm. through podcasts like this, through other opportunities, it's a um it's it's really worth doing.
0: Yeah, well, I think we discussed in one of our episodes this season about we talk about target market and we're also talking about how even though you might have the same business as someone else, and that doesn't, doesn't mean like the competitor. Yeah, you call them competitor. The, it's your competitor, but there shouldn't be any hatred there because we really all should be sticking together and supporting each other and mm-hmm. sharing all that knowledge. So it's definitely more of a roundtable discussion these days. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: and ultimately, you wouldn't have launched a business into that marketplace if you didn't see scope for you being able to get business in it. Yeah. So there's obviously enough work for multiple businesses in that field or you would have said no the market's saturated i'm not going into that field yeah so yeah
2: is there any advice you'd give to the listeners who are looking to start a business this is a big question
1: oh it is a big question isn't it i feel like i've loaded you with lots of my um uh not so not so easily requested (laughs) you didn't actually ask me for it but i've just given it to you no it's always welcome Um, look i suppose I suppose to go back to what I said before, if you can find a supportive network, if you can find somebody that's already working in that field, that is happy to hold your hand a little bit through the the launch time, that's worth gold. So if you're a jewelry designer and you can approach somebody who is a jewelry designer and say, you know, we wouldn't go and say i'm going to do exactly what you're doing but saying i'm going i'm looking at developing this field and uh, i'm just i just love some experience and i'd love to sort of see what i can what it looks like what a business like this looks like to actually be working in it day to day that is worth more than you could get in any type of marketing or anything else as far as experience so um when you're asking for that support you offer something so you might sort of say look you can load me up with a day's worth of data entry or something or load me up with i'm happy to be the i'm happy to get the coffee i'm happy to but i just to to be able to see what this actually looks like in reality um and that ties in lots of things and it's mentoring and it's experience and practical experience and lots of other elements so um yeah go for my my overriding thing is going to be find something you love
2: Yes, Yes, that's sort of what we kind of mention in like Mm -hmm. every single episode. And I tend to go on a rant, and I'm like, "Do what you love," and like, um, do I always say something like, "Comparison will be the death of your joy"? Yes, that's all all the time, Mm. like comparing yourself to like the other businesses. is great, like you can learn more through that. But comparing yourself in a derogatory, kind of negative type of way is never going to help your business. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah, and you, and also, it doesn't matter how passionate you are about your business there's work involved yes. and that and that means that for the uh if I use my business as an example for the the joy I get from the design side of things I have to put in at least as many hours to do the what I call them the more monotonous stuff the drafting the report writing the the liaising with council the liaising with other um uh, consultants and contractors Um, my passion is for the design but there's work so there's work it doesn't matter what you do part of it is always going to actually fall into the category of work and sometimes um, uh, you just need to give yourself the reward make sure that you're getting the the reward of the thing you're passionate for to help balance the work
2: Yeah. And for anyone that wants to start, let's say, a building design mm-hmm. business, can you give us a rough indication? And I know this is probably like it's back in 2002, but like what sort of budget did you start with? Did you start with absolutely no money? Did you start with I had $100? A, look, I,
1: had, I have to say that I was. I was fortunate in the sense that I was coming back from basically coming out of maternity leave. After having the twins that I, um, launched the business. So I wasn't letting go of an income stream to sort of say, I'll quit my job and start the business because then you've got to actually look at, um, how are going to pay your bills until your yeah. business is, is up and running. So I didn't have to do that, which was very fortunate because we'd sort of done a little bit of pre planning before I went on maternity leave. Uh, because I didn't have overheads with the business, like I've got a beautiful office now, yeah. but at the time I worked from a room in the house, mm-hmm. um, so I had some office equipment. I had the cost of the website, the cost of business cards, yeah. and the and my little what I think was like twenty five dollars a week, uh, was it a week twenty five dollars a week? It might have been um, for the little magazine, the little oh, yes. A five magazine. Yeah. yeah. Um, there weren't other overheads other than you know just some uh, software software equipment yeah um last thing that i will throw in there though is don't forget whatever field you work in really look into your uh, professional indemnity insurance it's something that i wasn't aware of really at the start and then when i started to talk to colleagues after after a couple of years i realized the risk that was involved. Now, I t- as I sit here touching wood, mm-hmm. I've never had to um, make a claim on um, professional indemnity insurance, but I have it, and I think that. Um,
2: I think that it's recommended that every business get it's professional just, indemnity.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things, though, that you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. They just sort of think yes, it's one of those I things that.
2: Done it. I did it when I started, yeah. and then obviously, like I lost my job, so I was like, I can't keep paying because yeah. I think it was like. I paid for professional indemnity and public liability. Yeah. Um, and it was taking 60 or $80 out of my bank account each month or something. Yeah. And I was like, I just can't afford this right now. So I stopped it, but I am planning on mm. getting my insurance up again. But I didn't think it was an issue with me particularly because I wasn't giving anyone advice. Yeah. I currently wasn't giving anyone advice. I was writing articles. So I was getting a brief and writing an article. And so there was nothing in there that I was like... You've given me the brief, I've written the thing.
1: Mm.
2: I'm not giving advice on how where it should be posted or what you should do with it or which images to use, so I don't think that I necessarily need it right now. Yeah, it and comes down it to...
1: It's like editing, you know? So if, say, you had written something and then you had put a reference in there to something that uh, was incorrect, yes. right? And then the company that you had written it for was not happy with that, that actually reflected badly on them then that's where things can fall apart it, it is just looking at your risk factor yeah um and uh, as i said I'm, I'm fortunate. i've never had to use it but it's one of those things that gee if i make a miscalculation on a on a building and it's not picked up until you know they've started five hundred thousand dollars worth of construction has been done and the house needs to be moved two meters <laughs> that's a very extreme <laughs> situation but Uh, Yeah, it's something that that people, if you're it's very easy you don't see it in front of you so it's one of those things that's easy to put on the back burner yeah. but I think it's definitely worth um, ticking that box
2: we did discuss insurance but we did mm-hmm. it in sort of our business plan overall look yeah so we definitely we should put that in for a season two or season three yeah. like a real in-depth look at different types of insurances yeah because it is a massive part of business and like I personally only really know about public liability and professional indemnity mm um, and I know about income loss protection.
1: Yes, yeah. Now that's one that's very interesting. Everybody needs to make a call on that themselves yeah. because you can pay a lot of money for something and not get much out of it. And if never it, use it. Well, not never use it. But even I, I have a, a dear friend who has got a, a neck injury, and the hoops she's had to jump through to get uh, that to actually access that insurance is quite. It's, it's it's just exhausting for her yeah. yeah so it's one of those things if you're young if you're generally healthy if you've actually got um a financial backup backstop whether that's family whether that's partner whether that's you've got um
2: shares sitting somewhere or that's right you know
1: <laughs> that's what i'd be i'd be looking at whether or not um it's going it's only really major injuries that you're going to be able to access it so yeah
0: yeah all right. Well, you've been an absolute delight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have rambled for however long that has been. No,
0: no I've I'm really enjoyed to it. all of it. Yeah.
1: Oh, good. Good, good like I could
2: sit and listen to you all day. Oh, how lovely!
1: How lovely! Feel free to edit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I think it's actually been really helpful and a lot of people will take yeah. quite a lot of stuff away from this it's actually very educational yeah educating the people i'm really glad you've been our first in the studio
1: oh um, well my absolute pleasure nice to have a cup of tea with you ladies and um yeah. all the best for uh, future podcasts
2: yes thank you so much yes
0: and uh i just want to say thank you to all the listeners throughout season one as well we've hoped you've all enjoyed the ride and we can't wait to bring season two
2: Yeah, so let's pop some sparkling.
0: Cheers. Yeah. (laughs) given on the Biz Breakdown is general in nature and does not consider your individual businesses. The Biz Breakdown exists purely for educational and motivational purposes. If you need assistance in a particular area, please speak with a business advisor or professional.